The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. A crude oil sell-off today helps end the Dow and S&P lower. NASDAQ advanced up 17 points, a gain of four-tenths of one percent. Investors on edge ahead of tomorrow morning's jobs report. S&P 500 index down one point to 2,097, a decline there of 0.1 percent. Dow Industrials down 22 points, a drop also of one-tenth of one percent. The 10-year down 6.30 seconds, yield 1.38 percent. Gold down 6.30 the ounce to 13.60, a drop there of five-tenths of one percent. Crude oil down 4.7 percent. West Texas Intermediate, 45.21 a barrel, down $2.22. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. You want to know the dirty truth about cold-pressed juice? The real cost of the juicing fad? Well, it's food waste. Tons of it. Very happy to welcome to the show now Sarah Gray Miller. She's editor-in-chief of Modern Farmer magazine, based in Hudson, New York, launched in 2013, the authoritative research for cutting-edge food producers, consumers, farmers, chefs, home cooks, everybody interested in what are we really eating right now and does it make sense? Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Interesting. You hail from Natchez, Mississippi, and you went to Vassar. You majored in English and political science, and here you are at Modern Farmer. It seems this is to me very important because so many issues surrounding food have to do with policy. They have to do with science. They have to do with uh, people maybe feel good about doing something, and it's all wrong. Tell us about cold-pressed juice. Well, you know, I think people feel very virtuous when they go and get a cold-pressed juice. It's so associated with people who are doing cleanses with the raw food movement. That's not the case. Um, it's not necessarily the best thing for you, and it's certainly not the best thing for the planet. Let's talk a little money for a second. I understand that the cold-pressed juice market is about a $400 million a year business. That's correct. And to put that in perspective, that's 15 times the number that it was in 2010. So clearly a growing business, a one growing that, you, that a lot of people want to want to get uh, want to get into. Now the process, the actual manufacturing process, it's a two-step process, isn't it? Can you explain what happens to make cold pressed juice? Well, unlike blended juices, the vegetables are literally and fruits smushed down, extracting the juice. Part of the problem with that is you also lose all the fiber and the nutrients associated with that fiber. And so what happens is you end up with a very sugary drink, and your body really can't necessarily tell the difference between sugar that comes from fruit or sugar that comes from sugar. So when you said it's not necessarily good for you, that's the first thing. You've lost all the fiber. But it's not very good for the health of the planet. Why? Well, two things. One, it's also not good for you. You, It's twice as many calories in one 16-ounce serving as two cups of vegetables. For the planet, the amount of food waste created is staggering. 
on average, 3.5 pounds of pulp for every 16-ounce juice. For one 16-ounce drink. And up three to 4.5 pounds, pounds of pulp. What does pulp do to the dirt, to the ground? Well, ultimately what happens is most of it winds up in landfills, of course, where it emits methane gas. Um, but in terms of, okay, you could compost it, right? That would seem to make sense. But it's heavy. It's wet. It becomes anaerobic very quickly, um, which, oddly enough, doesn't allow the other food waste to decay. The other problem is there's a solution to that, which is carbon-based materials like yard waste, sawdust. But juicing is an urban trend. You know, rural Mississippi, where I'm from, we don't have a Jamba juice. <laughs> so you've got the yard waste created in a rural area, but the juice waste created in an urban area. And this high-pressure processing, which is to make the actual juice, I understand, can act- can get rid of the probiotics and the enzymes that you think you're actually purchasing when you spend a lot of money for this particular beverage. I mean, one advantage it does ha- have, however, when you get it at a juice bar is it's not pasteurized. Why is that an advantage? Because it doesn't uh, heat You're not, the product? Exactly. There are a lot of arguments that it retains certain nutrients because it hasn't been heated. So uh, what should people do? I mean, or, or is there anything? Is there a should do? Where is this heading? Uh, is is there another movement alongside, which is what you're helping to foster, saying, you know, if you want to drink juice, fine, but drink juice with the pulp? Or what's what's the message here? I think there are a couple messages. One is the pulp is great for farm animals. Again, if you can get it where the animals are in a rural area, if there is an upside to the juicing craze and to drinking juice, it's the ugly fruits and vegetables. Farmers often have misshapen carrots, a cucumber that's too long, that they know they cannot sell to grocery stores and other outlets. Um, a lot of juicers advertise that they are using these ugly fruits, and the truth is those fruits would probably end up in landfills anyway. Now, the cost uh, to the consumer is considerably higher than, let's say, if you were to buy some kind of packaged uh, juice or even juice at a, at a grocery store. What is that? Is that just because there's supply and demand that it's a fad and a trend and everyone wants it, or is there a real reason why it would cost more to make this product? Well, I mean, one reason it would cost more is because it's not pasteurized. It has an incredibly short shelf life, and it is made to order, at least in juice bars. But the real, I mean, eight bucks, you know, here in New York for a cold-pressed juice, I think it's a fad. So it may die out. Um, In terms of organic, is that something, though, that is legit? Is that something, if we're going to juice, you would say, yeah, Buy the go to go to the green grocery green market whatever get the organic fruits and veggies and how do you know they're organic? I I would absolutely in every case juicing or any food you consume really urge people to buy organic, um, and it's not re- really just for your personal health it's for the planet's health. Um, and the United States has a great certification program, so anything that has been certified organic will be labeled as such. And just to uh, reiterate. A cold-pressed juice will give you more calories uh, and also more sugar uh, than if you just have a regular uh, juice that we normally would associate with fruit juices. Exactly. Twice as many calories as two cups of vegetables. Think about that in one 16-ounce glass of juice. So people who think they're on a diet and they're cleansing, they're not. 
They're not. Well, they, what they've got to do is uh, read the story and learn more about cold-pressed juices. Thank you very much, uh, Sarah Gray-Miller, editor-in-chief of Modern Farmer magazine, based in Hudson, New York. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, and this is Bloomberg. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, a lawsuit brought by a Virginia Republican delegate against the Republican National Convention. He's part of the Never Trump group. That's coming up on Bloomberg Law. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.